0: Welcome to This Week in Common Sense, starring Paul Jacob. My name is Timothy Verkula, and I'm here to help Paul run through the big stories of the week, as they've appeared at thisiscommonsense.org. That's Common Sense with Paul Jacob, which Paul's been working on since 1999. And so here we are. Paul, where do we start? With COVID on Friday or Biden on Monday?
1: Well, we could go either way. I had thought about this earlier, and then I kind of took a break, and then I came back, and I hadn't, uh, I hadn't thought about it. What do you, do you want to start on the uh, Fridays? Why not?
0: Well, we can get uh, through it pretty fast, I think, uh, because it's really just marking the spot on the calendar where we're end of an era, so to, so to speak. I really I, enjoyed I, Pat's comment. Did you read Pat's comment? I didn't read Pat's comment. You should go get Pat's comment, because if there's a lot of people like Pat, that's, that's a major change it's rare,
1: Tim, that you have like a really good idea, but, uh, by golly, <laughs> there you are. No, this is the, uh, I, th- I think we should start right there.
0: The piece was about the official end to the last bit of emergency protocols for the U S government regarding the pandemic. There were two major sets of whatever they were. They don't, they don't even seem like laws though, do they? They just seem like some proclamations the government sets up for how they do business. And, uh, it's all over now, but, yes. uh, but what does it mean? And Pat's response. I like her meaning. I that I'm all on her side.
1: <laughs> well, this is something that, uh, is really serious because I think as we get to, as we get through this podcast and talk about this week, which is emblematic of uh, week after week, we're entering very serious times. I think people can feel that there there are some real pressures in the world, in our country, um, and some level of trust in your fellow man. Uh, I still have I still have trust in my fellow man. I think that's really important. Um, you know, not not every fellow man I bump into, but you know, in in some general sense, some level that seems not terrible. Uh, I live in a nice place. Um, but I, I share what Pat has to say, and maybe I came to it more quickly uh, in my life than, than Pat did, but it has been deepened. My, my distrust in the government has grown and deepened so much. And here's what Pat has to say. Not only did the emergency last too long, it came at great cost to those who pushed it. I can't speak for others, but my trust in public health officials has cratered. I don't know if I'll ever trust them again. Nothing they say can be taken at face value anymore. Government became a monster instead of a service. And... And I think some people might quibble with monster, but you know, as soon as government veers away from service, <laughs> boy monster can pop right up. It just can pop right up on you. and uh boy, that is uh, I had not seen that today. today was kind of a busy day. Uh, that's that is poignant. and uh and I think. You know, I think that's what uh, you know. Sometimes there are events out there uh, that that can crystallize and 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 make a big difference in enough of the public uh, in terms of lesson learned, teachable moments, as uh, President Obama used to say. And um, and there, I think this pandemic was was a teachable moment. Unfortunately. I think there are huge splits uh, in terms of who thinks who's teaching what to whom or whom to what or, you know, what I mean. Um, and and that's a real problem. But I, I know so many people who uh, there's a level of fear. And, and I don't mean, you know, they're shivering in their boots. I mean that, that in the past, they, there was a level of concern about our government. And I think today there's a level of fear as to what could happen. So, I mean, I think that's, uh, thank goodness the emergency is over, but uh, not only was the pandemic, did government behave very, very badly in terms of policy, they behaved extremely badly worse in terms of how they fashioned that policy with zero respect to minority opinions, while they also have zero respect toward majority opinions. I mean, that's part of the problem with our government. It's why it's why you know the problem isn't just this this uh, you know, kind of tension between the right or the left. Um, you know, when the rights in power, people on the right are livid, with why the government's behaving so badly and won't do what it promised to do. And the same is true when the left's in power. The people on the left are going, "What's what's up with these Democrats? They are, you know, they they don't do what they say they're going to do." And it's not just a matter of, "Well, you lost the election, and now the majority is beaten up on you." The majority wins the election and is still getting beaten up on. It's not going majority minority red party, blue party, it's going, boy, it's good to live in Washington and to be part of the in crowd in government and industry, which is becoming more and more close and big media and big tech. And, you know, we're thinking about what what to do with our planet and the rest of us who want a representative government so that individuals can be represented, because we live here on the planet too. Uh, you know, we, we're losing, and we're losing when we win. That's the biggest part of the problem. It's why it's why term limits. I think is a canary in the in the coal mine. Uh, if we have term limits, we can we can pull out that I'm no longer part of the people. I'm now entrenched into Washington because they just can't stay long enough to get entrenched. But the fact that here is an 80-20 issue that among the American people, far left, far right, however you want to do it, nobody's afraid that anything bad's going to happen because we lose. I mean, the argument, we'll lose our best politicians, <laughs> you know, the the American people almost to a person is out there going, yes, yes, that's the point. Drive it home, drive it home. So, uh And it doesn't happen. Why doesn't it happen? Because it's about them. And they're in charge. If it was about them and we were in charge, well, then they would do it because they'd have to do it. And and it's true. uh, I mean, they have successfully created an environment, the the political class, the, the way politics is done, they have created a situation in which it's almost impossible to beat someone who's at the national level in Congress. It happens, but it's in a few districts. It's all party controlled because it's partisan red or partisan blue. And, um, you know, I mean, I think everybody kind of recognizes, and, and Congress has always been bashed, but the, the, you know, just kind of nobody has any level of confidence and uh, and we'll get to that uh, on the last script that I want to talk about, the here at home problem, uh, just the complete lack of any faith in government, any 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 sense of leadership out there at even the most minute level. Uh, even non-corruption would be like leadership by default. I wanted to uh, go to Big Guy little Guy. And then talk about here at uh, here at home problem. But I wanted to mention two of the scripts. That I just wanted to mention people can go they can they can read it at thisiscommonsense.org. Public TV vetoed, where we applauded the governor of Oklahoma, Governor Stitt, who vetoed funding for, for PBS and NPR in the state, and they they gave ample funding. Uh, And so it was a, a hit to him. But we took him to task to a degree because, of course, his whole justification or at least a huge part of his justification was. They have a bunch of woke, you know, liberal left wing things they're pushing. And it just shows the whole point of not having public media, which was was my point in the piece. And, and we got plenty of private media, they fund it, they make money, they don't, they get subsidized by people who want that point of view, it gets out there. It's the great clash of ideas, we love it. Get the government's thumb off any scale in the, in the process. And then deadbeat California, where California during all of this uh, pandemic borrowed money, this was Thursday's script, uh, borrowed money, Uh, to pay unemployment benefits. And then instead of paying the government back, even though they've gotten just all these state and local governments are awash in these pandemic funds that were just shipped all over, not only to us, but to these local and state governments. And and yet what they decided to do was not pay it back. And so now the the businesses in the state have to pay a higher rate of unemployment
0: uh and and insurance insurance premiums it's basically the insurance premiums
1: yes and so they're going to pay it back so it's it's on the backs of business california somehow didn't think uh uh and we quoted my friend mark uh joffey who who lives off uh, out there uh and is an economist um was talking about for cato that that you know, this is it. It's not like this is the biggest deal in the whole world. Uh, you know, no business is going to immediately flee the state because of this, but it's one more brick on the back of you know uh, small businesses, and, and it's it's just California is an unfriendly place to business, and it's decided. You know what? Not unfriendly enough. We need to we need to go a little bit further. So. Go there and read uh, "Deadbeat California," and then uh, Monday we talked about uh, "Big Guy, Little Guy," and uh, and you know it, I don't think we spend an inordinate amount of time talking, you know, trash about politicians, their love lives, their adulterous affairs, their this, they're that. That's you know, that's not the main thing we're we're about. Uh, and of course, it seems like anytime you talk about Hunter Biden, you get—it's almost always you get some outpouring of you're going after the children, you know, the children of the of the president. And of course, Hunter's fifty-three years old, as I point out in Big Guy Little Guy. So it's not really the hey, spare the children. No, 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 it doesn't really work there. Um, but of course the bigger issue is that hunters you know uh he's facing this this script was was basically pointing out that that he's facing felony charges in in terms of filling out a gun license form registration form whatever it is uh form to get a gun where he lied and he pretty much is, has admitted you know that he lied and that's a serious crime. And of course, one of the interesting things about it, uh, I called it uh, poetic, uh, is that Joe Biden, his dad, is the author of that penalty, which I think is a ten-year penalty or something. I mean, it's like a, a super, super serious thing. And uh, and of course, you know, if you're going to have forms, you do want people to fill them out correctly and so on. But somehow, you know, that may it may be a little much. But hey, it, it's pop. It's it's the big guy uh who, who set that, that number in his bill. And and so Hunter uh faces that he faces tax charges, and of course, the tax charges are all about whether he properly accounted for all the money flowing in from now. We hear about Romania. But uh, from you know the the mayor of Moscow, the uh, you know the the Ukrainian oligarchs, the you know with Burisma and and, uh, and China, a lot of money from China, and and so it it's not as if it doesn't have some connection to, you know. Joe Biden, just in that way. Your son's out there reaping all this money from regimes that are questionable. And if the regime's not questionable enough, the people you're dealing with in the, in the country are questionable enough. And so if, if, if it stopped right there, it would be a serious thing that should be covered across the media. But it doesn't stop right there. There is ample evidence. And of course, the Comer Committee uh, in the House came out this week with even more and bank records, and the fact that it's going to nine different members of the Biden family and so on. But there is all sorts of evidence that Hunter was kicking back funds to his father. He told Hunter, told his sister that. He had to kick back half the money to Dad. Um, now maybe he just made that up, but he said it. It's on the record. There's evidence of it, and he said it when he was not. You know, I mean, they were doing, you. Well, who knows? Who knows where the truth ever enters and and leaves uh, his head and mouth? But but these are very serious things. Now, there's also the fact, as we pointed out that he's done repairs on his dad's house he's paid phone bills he's paid other bills um, there's money changing hands here in ways that when someone alleges uh, that the big guy in one of hunter's emails saying save 10 percent for the big guy there are other people who have said that big guy is joe biden and you know, so that's evidence. Now maybe the person who said that is lying. Let's go to court and find out, you know, but that's that's the sort of things that they do present as evidence in trials where you could then be found guilty. And you know, I have to say that, um, I think years ago, I would have just been shocked and and just couldn't believe that someone in that position could sell out uh, in, in, in such a way. I mean, you've reached a point, you're vice president, you're president, you're you know, you've reached a point in life that, uh, look, you're pretty much a success. I mean, just, just hold on. Don't commit any crimes at the moment and the money's coming in and everyone claps and you you got your own building, you got stuff to do in retirement. You're a very popular fellow. And especially now that you don't have power anymore, even the people who really hate you, they, they don't care quite as much. So it's like, uh, you know, what's not to like, but but um it's you know, this was going on when Joe Biden is the main person as the instrument of American foreign policy in Ukraine, in China, in Romania, in different places. This is, you know, this isn't somebody who's just kind of freelancing around the world and bumps into someone and is a government official and and doing different things. This is the very top. They're giving money, big chunks of money, because this is connected to the very top. And so you you think about all this corruption and the media is the watchdog. And and still, you you haven't found anything that kind of makes you think, oh, we should probably report this and maybe even look into it a little bit. There's been no reporting. I wrote that on Monday, the Comer House, James Comer, Republican from Kentucky, his committee that's looking into the biden family empire business and he kept saying in that press conference what exactly does the business do i mean that's a real like business function <laughs> not just collect money from what's your business well we open our doors and we collect money from foreign uh, dictators and oligarchs and uh, bad actors uh, who who want to influence U.S. foreign policy? Oh, uh, is that not okay? That's that's basically what it it sounds like the business is, and it it's looked like that all along. But here now, you know, Comer's trace different different things to where there's some again some real evidence, money going into bank accounts. Someone can owns that bank account. You can check the number. Does that number fit this person? Are there really nine? Biden family members, or is Comer just making it up? So I read the Washington Post. I read Thursday's edition. It comes in when they drop it in the driveway. I read Friday's edition. There's no talk about it. There is some mention of it in a Eugene Robinson column. So they have an opinion on the news that their paper doesn't report on it's uh i mean you know it's it's hard to be a free country
0: if your biggest news outlets don't cover major stories and the response you know in congress from the democrats is that comer supplied evidence-free uh you know propaganda he actually said they actually used the phrase evidence-free yeah Yes. And that's and as far as I can tell that 36-page memorandum was uh, pretty much all evidence.
1: Yes. Yes, this is this is and and, and you can come back and argue, okay, well look, let's take this payment. It was for this, we did this. Um, that's part of this contract or it was a freelance thing that we or they gave this money so that we could do this or you know, I'm in nonprofit, so it's like they gave money, not that, that, but here, you know, they paid them money to give this advice. If it had to be answered, and it was on the up and up, well, then it could be answered. No. But it doesn't have to be answered. It doesn't have to be answered. There's a, a big story in the Washington Post. They did find the time to report on this, which is basically the consternation of people at CNN and uh, around the mainstream, extremely liberal media, that CNN would even have Trump on the air. And that if he was on the air, they wouldn't stop him every couple of seconds when they sensed that anything he said might not be true in their view and call him a liar and have a whole squad of people who would, you know, come in and go, no, that's not right, you're lying, it's this, it's that, we have the evidence. Um, And you know, what's, what's funny about that is, I could almost go for that. Do it to everyone, everyone who comes on, do the same thing, the exact same thing. Because then the media, you know, it might be more useful. Now, I think you could also let them talk a little bit. And then in your own sweet time, you could come back and say different things, or you could have some maybe scale back a little bit, try to calm down, you know, uh, a little scale back, type of thing. but do it across the board. Don't just do it to Donald Trump. Do you think everything Joe Biden says is, is the gospel truth? Do you think everything uh, George W. Bush said was the gospel truth or anyone? Did, did everything that Ronald Reagan or John F. Kennedy say? Everything they said was right, the, the missile gap, um, you know, the media can play that game. It just cannot. And I know it thinks it can because it's got its echo chamber, but it, American media is splintering itself to smithereens, and it is it, it is just pretending things that aren't there, and to... You can hate Donald Trump. You can say Donald Trump is the biggest, you know, uh, uh, danger that's ever existed among anyone who's ever run for president. Uh, Okay, but why wouldn't you apply any sort of fair lens on any candidate running for president? You can have whatever opinion you want. Why wouldn't you apply that lens to everybody? So it's. I, I think it's. That's kind of a, a very interesting part of it. Um, what else is there to say about? Uh, we've often talked. I think we've talked more about Hunter and and maybe on the podcast some too than we've written about Hunter and uh, and and Joe and corruption.
0: Um, well, there's more to be said, a lot more to be said, but we may actually cover it next week. Who knows? Uh, certainly, the Comer stuff is interesting, but there's even more since then that have come out. So I, I find it uh, it's a it's a fascinating story. The Trump interview. I did you see much of it on CNN?
1: I did not see much of it, and I saw a little bit of it. But I I I have it. I you know I pulled it up, but I just have not had time to go all the way through it. Well, I, no I, I did get a I did get a text from a friend of mine uh, who, who who doesn't like Trump, who told me it was terrible, and and I said uh, you know did you hear about the horrible you know. I said, Oh, I I I, uh, I heard about it, but I haven't gotten a chance to see it yet. And he said, I haven't either. <laughs> but, oh, okay.
0: <laughs> oh, I've only seen two segments uh, that are snipped, you know, snippets, because I see everything pretty much on YouTube as they come down to me. And so I don't, I, I, don't, I haven't seen even the opportunity to see the whole piece yet. But uh, I was uh, interested in his Ukraine response, which I thought he did fairly well on, you know, but in his terms. Because he tried to focus, you know, to stopping the killing now. He didn't say we're gonna be taking sides and I thought that was an interesting I
1: did see that. I did see that.
0: And and um
1: he gets almost, you know, he gets not almost, he gets no credit for any of that in the in the media.
0: You know, and I thought that was I mean, it's not maybe not the way I would suggest to go there, but it's a pretty good way of going. And it's an interesting tack that no one else is taking. Uh the other thing I... that I saw was his uh response to, you know, the woman interrogator I don't remember her name uh, an attractive woman with a shrill voice Uh, that's a CNN specialty and uh, she asked if he would basically repudiate his uh, famous Access Hollywood statement about uh, touching women and he actually gave a completely irrational response Uh, I mean he says I can't it's the truth and it wasn't about that he, he, he could touch women it's that women would let him touch him and people like him. And it was and I know that people don't want to talk about this subject. No, I, I don't. But, but but I mean,
1: if it, it comes up, you have to kind of. But. Yeah. And that's and that was the point.
0: <laughs> I, I thought that he actually uh, it's the first time that he was not just simply glib, that he actually explained his position that I'd seen properly.
1: He has kind of explained it as a uh, you know it's that women are so overwhelmed by celebrity that they'll let you do this or that or whatever the problem with that is that it's a generalization and if you were to apply it again and again well of course that would not run into cases where it wasn't true sure. and that would be problematic it would sure. not be a good way to live to run it. and he never said uh, so i've always done this
0: You're right. Yeah, it's yeah.
1: not like he's he's copped to actually you know people act like that that statement was him saying oh it's okay for me to do this that that you're right that wasn't what he said but but generally you know that's a fact that like when i hear not that I'm like perfect, but this is one, one, one evil I don't possess, uh, I guess. But when I hear that, it's like I don't file it anywhere. It's, it's not a, you know, well, oh, it's, okay, I hear you. Move on. Okay.
0: Well, it's useless information for me <laughs> yes. personally, because I'm not yes. rich and famous and uh, very desirable. So, so that's that's a, that's an interesting thing about humanity, uh, and he expressed it. Of course, he was joking around, and he previously called it locker room talk, and right, that's kind of right. what it was. But here, it was a different response. But what's interesting, really, in that thing, aside from his, you know, his rational response, whatever you think of it, I mean, it's rational responses can be rationally rec- critiqued, but nevertheless, the woman harping on it. The uh, CNN woman, to me, what I saw of her did not look very good. And uh, the other time that I saw her was when, when he called her a nasty woman or a nasty piece of work or whatever he called her. Uh, and she was just interrupting him over and over. Uh, it's kind of, you know, it's nice to see someone challenged, but he was interrupted a lot. And I don't think it was done very well.
1: Well, the other thing is apply that to Biden. Yeah. and And part of what... You know, I'd really like to see someone be president. And this just just segues into here at home problem, uh, which is about China and about, you know, that threat, but is also about we need something. It is a serious threat. And and uh, uh, Mike Gallagher, congressman from uh, Wisconsin, Republican head of the uh, Select Committee on China and the threat from China. Uh, who's looking seriously at these things, you know, is, is pointing out that we've got to hold the line in the Taiwan Strait. We've got to get serious about doing that. And I made the observation that, you know, Joe, Joe Biden has four, six times said that we will put U.S. military forces, planes, ships, soldiers potentially into, which of course soldiers are on planes and ships, by the way, <laughs> you know, anybody who's not aware of that, you don't have to actually put troops on the ground to have troops in the air and the sea that that matter and that could get in a shooting war. But he has said that numerous times. And yet I noted in this piece that with all the threats there's no discussion with the american people and and maybe i think about this cuz i'm obsessed i i i have thought since 2019 that we are in the initial stages of like a third world war and if if we don't do something we're going to slide right into it and not be prepared for it um about the only thing worse than sliding into world war 3 is Sliding into World War III, completely unprepared for it, and uh, and still intending to to fight it. So, it's it's you know throughout this, I I think we have to hold the line there. I agree with Gallagher, but the American people should make a decision. Uh, our leaders already have sort of, except unlike the American people, our leaders are apt to make the decision that works for them, and that is usually the decision to boast and talk tough when it's easy. And then when you might actually have to put up to scurry away, that strikes me. And, and, you know, I, I'm not saying this across the board, but there's, if you're entirely self-interested in political, then that's the way you would expect to behave when I have to pay a price to do something, I'm not going to do it when it's easy and i can take credit for a worldwide military and claim i'm saving everybody's day well then you do it and it it strikes me that you they just depend on well we're going to have the soldiers there to do it and of course it's not just about the soldiers because the soldiers are not going to be there to do it if the public's not there and if and and of course polls show the public in favor of helping taiwan including with u.s forces but it seems to me it's something you talk about and it's and and this has struck me throughout this whole uh people who are regular uh readers of of common sense i mean we i started writing this in in 1999 and uh and i talked about china some throughout this because of course it's it's (laughs) It's been a totalitarian nightmare for a long time, and too often it has gotten easy press and kind of like it's so, you know, it's kind of like Mel may have starved millions of people to death and had people beat them to death, but, you know, he was trying, he's a good guy, put him on a T-shirt, come on. I have uh, so I've I've talked about it throughout and and Tiananmen Square 1989 uh was was just a huge had a huge impact on me. So this has always been an issue that I uh you know paid a certain amount of attention to. But um but in recent years a whole lot more and it is you know, we just we have a uh, I think Bill Clinton, you know, there just seems to be clear evidence that he got all kinds of money at key times, hundreds of thousands, millions and all from CCP operatives. I mean, this wasn't like, you know, it wasn't even very well done. It was kind of like, so I am with a bunch of money and and give it to him um, and then made people who were involved in all that uh folks in some government agency department with security clearances to see all kinds of classified information uh i recently read the the book year of the rat uh which was about all the clinton china stuff uh i mentioned in this piece here at home uh you know i i bumped into these Chinese police stations, because I ran into uh, an article in when I was in Canada. There are several of those police stations in Canada, including in Toronto, where I was. And uh, and the article mentioned they had one in New York. So I was like, oh, wait a second. Um uh that's the chi Nazis next door. If you go to this is common uh, the chi Nazis next door is the script about uh, those police stations months ago. And of course, recently, <clears throat> the FBI arrested a couple of people. But these are this is the Chinese government sending thugs into countries, not to ours, but uh, into ours and, and all kinds of others, uh, Ireland, uh, Australia, you know, all these different places to basically terrorize Chinese people who've escaped and uh, and threaten their, their relatives back home and try to drag them back home and, and try to get them to shut up if they're saying anything. This is a monstrous state. And and anyone who wants to say, well, the U.S. is, look, I'll, I'll probably agree. I mean, I'd have to hear what you actually say before I can agree with you that, yes, the U.S. did that and it was evil and terrible and the government should have never done that. But I don't even want to hear it Right now, because we're talking about China, and it's monstrous, and it's we we have ample evidence of a million, maybe two million people in concentration camps in Xinjiang, uh, the Uyghurs. We have fallen, Gong. The I mean, it's just on and on and on. And so, and yet, our government, you know, uh, constantly you've got people like John Kerry who want to, well, we need to work with China on climate change. You know, if I were president, I wouldn't let climate change take up one second of my time on China until it'd be like it'd be like, the, you know, the, the Hitler forms of Nazi government in Germany are going, well, we still have to work with Hitler on climate change. And I submit, no, we don't. And and of course you're not going to get anywhere. It'd be different if oh yeah, well you know Hitler or Xi Jinping is really hip on on climate change. So, but instead we're talking about things, and this is this is what scares me so. The American people are solid. If we're if we're behind you, we're going to be behind you. We're not going to cut and run. We have politicians who do cut and run, and we have problems like we're going to sell Taiwan all these arms, and then we don't have them, and it takes years. Look, there could be an invasion. You, oh, in 2027, you know, after a couple of years after an invasion, we're going to send you the, the weapons you paid for? We need to have a much more serious attitude, and and we have a president, Joe Biden, who cannot has not. I, I should just say has not, except I think we all know cannot speak to the American people and rally them to this point in history, which I think is is hugely, hugely serious and is going to require a country that's that's more united around look it, it, people become a little more adult real quick when when there's something that tells them maybe you ought not to worry so much about that. I mean, if Martians show up with, with death rays tomorrow, you know, you and I are not gonna be worried so much about Xi Jinping. And and so, you know, it, it. I think we can, the American public has changed their mind about China in huge ways used to be China was a very popular, you know, we were lunatics. I don't know why, but, but a decade ago, attitudes about China were much more popular than they are now. I mean, China was much more popular and much more positive. And, um, but I just see, I see Joe Biden who, my goodness, could you imagine him as a commander in chief in, in any sort of serious situation? I mean, if, if, as as Ukraine gets more serious, and that's just so scary. And because you imagine if he had to step back, and it's Kamala Harris, and then imagine if it's Donald Trump. And I happen to think that Donald Trump, that foreign policy was Donald Trump's strong suit. No wars, didn't screw up anything too much. Was getting us out of uh, Afghanistan, and I'm willing to believe uh, would have gotten us out. I'm and, and I'm not just willing to believe it. I think it's true. Would have gotten us out without the complete chaos and disaster of Biden pulling out. Ready to blame Trump for it. If you're ready to blame somebody else for it, maybe you ought to delay the pullout a couple of months and figure it out. But but anyway, but imagine Donald Trump as president, and almost any move he makes, you've got these folks who are going to be absolutely opposed to him, and you've got a lot of people, myself included who look at his behavior after the last election. And again, I'm not somebody who puts much blame on him for January 6th. I put blame on him for not coming with whatever he had, laying it out to the to the public. And I think it's because he didn't have enough. And, and I understand there were irregularities and it's tough to get evidence to show that these 300,000 ballots that weren't properly handled were somehow fraudulent. You know, They're now in the mix. What the heck are you going to do? Throw out the whole election? Well, you know, some people would argue, yes, I'm not so sure I'm one of them. Um, and I don't think that would have changed enough to change the election. So there's all kinds of things there. But you don't have to reach your conclusion that the, the he's right about the election or he wasn't right. My point is we are headed to a situation in which the world's blowing up around us. And we don't have anybody in, in a very close place to the presidency uh, who, who has any confidence among the American people.
0: There's a reason for that. I think America is decadent, and there is no hope for America to be resurgent. I, I just have no hope for the country. I don't think America is going to save Taiwan. I don't think it's to save Ukraine. I think America is going down, and Biden's is the is the right man for the job uh and the uh, democrats and republicans hate each other to an extent they never have before or well, that's not true they really hate each other in, in the in the civil war and uh and but we're we're getting to a point where this is as bad at home as it is abroad that's what all i'm saying and i think that that makes their our, our abroad stance just impossible i don't see how anything can be done good that's that's my position
1: but i i tell you it it's it's all going to happen. And, and there are some people who say, well, we should pull back. We shouldn't be involved. But you know we're going to be involved. There's no – I mean, I can't imagine anybody has a scenario in their head in which in the next year or two years or three years, the U.S. is not involved in japan south korea taiwan philippines and all this um we're building a a a force in essence i mean you can see the beginnings of world war three and and i'm not uh, unlike some folks i'm not against us preparing for world war three because i think that's the only way to avoid it i think otherwise we're just standing there unprepared and if we're there and China decides they have to invade, I think they're likely to blockade, actually, because they think that we're so weak that we won't break their blockade. But, um, uh, and it kind of puts the onus, I think we may have talked about this last last week, it puts the onus on the person breaking the blockade to somehow, oh, you ran into me or what, you know, I mean, it's like, oh, you hit me first. Uh, <laughs> but But if they were to invade, China almost has to think that the US is going to, come in and hit Guam and hit other places, hit places in Japan. I mean, it very likely, if it were to start with an invasion, would start with attacks being made on potentially the Philippines, as well as Taiwan, Japan, Guam. So U.S. territory, Japanese territory, Taiwan, of course, and and the Philippines. Well, we're... We're, I mean, if it was just the Philippines, we have a treaty to go to war
0: to protect the Philippines.
1: If it's just Japan, I mean, in other words, all of a
0: sudden that's a, that's a. a so why would they do it? I don't understand. Why would China do those things?
1: Well, because if it doesn't hit some of those places, then it's got its forces going across the strait and landing on the beaches in Taiwan being hit by taiwanese fire in every which way with the us with just uh, planes ships ready to ready to go and if the us comes at that point china's in deep deep trouble they're they're vulnerable they're extended if they're going to do that they almost have to now now if they think the us isn't going to do anything it's a paper tiger don't worry about it well, then yeah, maybe they would do that and not hit the U S because now they can say, Oh, we didn't hit you guys. Don't, you know, and we didn't hit Japan and we didn't hit the Philippines. And, and, but if they, if they really think we are going to come, then they are going to hit those places because from a military standpoint, I think they have to uh, otherwise I, you're, putting, you're putting a lot of people at risk.
0: I just assume they won't do anything until the American economy collapses. Well, so that's I, I, think, I, think I think they're waiting for America to implode before that they uh, before they reach out. That's that's how I look at it.
1: They may be. I, I and I, I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast or just otherwise, but who will go up belly? Who, who will go belly up first, China or the or the U.S.? And it it uh, I mean, I could determine it, which, again, yeah. probably argues for not not spending that extra trillion <laughs> that the. That the government was thinking about spending or
0: two trillion or three or eight well that's that's where we have such a weird thing in america where americans just don't deal with that sort of damocles that 32 trillion dollar debt yeah they don't think about it it doesn't mean anything to politicians I, I not even the one even the one the few who talk about it right even the few who talk about it it doesn't mean anything to them and uh that's to my mind uh, not the way to solve a problem, so
1: it it puts us in a position like the old Soviet Union, which is that when you think about it, it's just not stable, and it's just it's gonna it's gonna go, it's gonna go, and the question just becomes when in a year, in seven in twenty five in seventy years um because sometimes that's how it how it can work and but it it unless that gets reversed unless there's some i mean it, America you're much more pessimistic than me i'm i'm a pathological optimist so so it's it's not only difficult for me to be pessimistic it's pretty much impossible um and and i like that <clears throat> i got no complaints i'm very optimistic about it and uh, uh, but i figure you know it, it, we want America as a free republic to go on, and so I figure, you know, I, I can't read the future, but I'm going to try to do everything I can to to make it go on. But you you just can't see it go on very long unless something massive happens. And and um, you know, I think I think we are headed to either turning turning the tide and uh and and in essence saving Asia and the world. When you talk about Asia, it's 60% of the, the world's gross product. So uh and it's it's like two-thirds of the population. So it's a it's a big deal. And um I think we're either headed to that or they're gonna throw us out. And and when you think about the ramifications of Um, And and it's why I think the U.S. is likely to intervene. I mean, the strategic ambiguity. So we're all reading tea leaves, but um, the alternative is a complete collapse of the society. When you think about you're spending $800 billion a year on a military to police the world and you can't you know, in in clear instances, you kind of go, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get involved in which everybody thought I thought you were committed to getting involved. Uh, that's, you know, it, it's not like you just, well, you win some, you lose some, and you move on. Uh, Japan, South Korea, Australia, Indonesia, uh, the Philippines all cut the best deal they can with China or look to do it as soon as humanly possible, Um, Europe recalibrates their relationship with China and and the U.S., and it's not a good thing. Um, The currency, probably the reserve currency is gone. The, you know, the chip making, all of a sudden, it's it. And these are huge body blows that a healthy America might be able to handle one of them maybe one and a half or two of them or whatever but you know we're we're talking about huge uh, tsunamis of uh uh, economic hurt dislocation i mean think about uh, if uh, what do you do the day after it's like we we don't need you to police the world anymore because there's somebody else policing it who really wants you to get your butt out of here. Uh and I'd advise you to do that because they are willing to like you know fire weapons. And uh you know that that's that's a million people uh all of a sudden looking to do something else. It's it it's um well. That is complete disaster for even the nation state, the deep state, the, you know, however you want to look at that, it's, it's a disaster. Of course, people are going to suffer the most or the average American who did nothing wrong during the process except not find a way to stop these these jerks from running our country.